We are the Chemical Syndicate, and this is a Batman podcast. This week, episode 21, The Longest Halloween Part 2. said welcome welcome <laughs> to the chemical syndicate yes this is a batman podcast we're your hosts i'm shane i'm david welcome back y'all to the longest halloween Ooh. we're right back at you we're gonna be continuing where we left off guys we left off on april fool's day and we're going to be moving onward to Mother's Day. If y'all don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the long Halloween here. That's right. All right. We're talking about one of the absolute best Batman stories that you'll ever read in your life. And that's just my opinion. Take that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, what do you think so far? How you been feeling since we've had to the opportunity to reread this story and you know such recent memory here and... Uh, Kind of just you know getting back to such a such a classic, such a comic yeah. book classic in, in in modern times. I like it. <laughs> Beautiful input, brother. Beautiful input, brother. I love it. It has been uh, you know really great uh, just revisiting this because it's like it's been a while since I've actually read this book, so um, it's been very cool to go back and just like look. The, the artwork is hitting me like a lot <laughs> this time around. Where it's just like this is like so cool looking. Heck yeah, dude. I mean, it's been... It's Unfortunately, been... it's we're talking about this in a non-visual <laughs> <laughs> medium. You just have to take our word for it that the artwork is beautiful, people. Uh, yeah, dude. It's been great to just sort of revisit this world, which I do periodically. I love The Long Halloween. As I said in the last episode, this is my all-time favorite Batman story. When people ask me, hey, what's a good Batman story to get into? Automatically, without hesitation, The Long Halloween yeah, that is a good place to start. I feel like people, you know, year one, long Halloween. I think these uh, ease people into the idea of Batman. Uh, it's not too, you know, if, if you're reading year one, you don't get too bowled over by like weird stuff, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> weird freaks and stuff. Um, and then in long Halloween, I feel like it grabs you with just a really good mystery and uh, good plotting, good dialogue. And then, you know, throws in the elements that you kind of know about Batman with his rogues gallery, Joker, Catwoman, all that stuff. Mixing them all together into a into a real nice stew, baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby, you got yourself a stew going. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, uh, we went through a lot of background stuff in the last episode. So, you know, definitely check out episode 20. We'll yeah. school you on a lot of the... Like straight from the from the mouth of babes from Jeff Loeb himself <laughs> about how this all came about. Um, really fascinating story behind that. Um, but let's get to it, man. We're moving onwards here to chapter eight, Mother's Day. Yeah, my least favorite holiday, man. <laughs> Sorry, Mama Maniachi. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> 
I mean, I would be blown away. I, I you know, mom, if you're listening, I really love you. I really do with all my heart. You're a great, you're a great gal. You really are. But I know you ain't listening to this. <laughs> but I know. Ain't no goddamn way she's listening to a podcast uh, from her son talking about Batman. <laughs> But yeah, we uh, get right to Mother's Day. Uh, once again, kind of keeping into like this very similar opening page of any of these issues. You, you've got like a singular shot of one character, whether it be like a mm-hmm. full body or um, just kind of a close up on their face. Kind of yeah. like what we had in like uh, the New Year's uh, Eve issue with Joker. Yeah. Or the very first issue with like Bruce Wayne and the second issue with Batman. Yeah. And now with this one, we've got Calendar Man. Yes. Just being straight up. So you got Batman visiting Calendar Man once again to get just to get some more information, his thoughts on Holiday, or Harvey Dent for that matter. He does ask about Harvey Dent. And, you know, once again, Calendar Man not really giving an inch of anything because I don't think he knows shit, to be honest. I think he knows more than... Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? You think he's... Okay. I, th- I think he's I think he's toying with, with uh, Batman here. I think, yeah. he, I think he knows some stuff. And that's why he keeps talking in this. I mean, he does continue way. to be ambiguous about his thoughts on the gender because he keeps referring to Holiday as he yeah. and she. Yeah. So going back and forth, very seamlessly too. It's like at one point, um, you know, like he likes the attention for herself or something like that. You know, like yeah, he, he does like looking at it right here. He says uh, he's talking to Batman, and Calendar Man says, "You said you would have caught her by February. He's making quite a name for herself." holiday soon the calendar man will be forgotten so he's getting a little jealous of this holiday kind of stepping on his toes yeah it's another you know super villain in batman's rogues rogues gallery who's getting all jelly about uh <laughs> some other criminal or some other murderer yeah. getting the uh, top billing in the newspaper <laughs> headlines although if i was i'd be feeling pretty salty if i was calendar man <laughs> i mean like, this was my thing i'm the calendar man i'm the calendar man baby <laughs> <laughs> can't top that <laughs> Um, but towards the end of his, cal- you know, his uh, conversation with Calendar Man, a uh, guard approaches Batman, talking about an escape. He's damn near dying. Turns out he's gotten dosed with a little bit of fear toxin here. Oh, no. And only one dastardly villain is capable of inciting such fear in the hearts of men and women alike. We're talking about that the Scarecrow here is out of there, man. He's out. He's gone. He's gone. Uh, there is... When uh, Batman takes off after Scarecrow in Arkham, uh, he goes into like uh, Scarecrow's cell and is looking out the barred windows, and he just rips the bars <laughs> out, of the, out of the window. It's ridiculously strong. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Either this building is that decrepit, or Batman and Bruce, whatever Bruce Wayne, he is that friggin' jacked, <laughs> or both. Both or both. Um, or uh, and also apparently. Jonathan Crane is uh, skinny enough to just slip through the bars of the window. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think the idea is that yeah, somebody assisted yes, in getting true. his escape is the uh, is the thought that Batman has because Batman's like somehow he's escaped or more likely he's had help. Yeah, and when he goes out, he confronts uh, Scarecrow on a horse. However, it ain't Scarecrow. It's a Scarecrow. <laughs> it's an actual it's, Scarecrow. It's, it's actual Scarecrow, <laughs> although it's rigged. Yes, it's rigged to to shoot some of the fear toxin at him. Right. Uh, so, and then you kind of uh, that's, that's pretty much the end of that portion of it, where mm-hmm. Batman goes doesn't really have a lead on where Scarecrow could be. Yeah. Oh, I will talk a little bit. There is a bit of a redesign too for Scarecrow here. Okay. So normally, you know, Scarecrow has like uh, 
kind of a red and brown motif. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this, Tim Sale's drawn him much more uh, dark and quote unquote scary looking. He's he's in all black pretty much. He has a, that, that big you know like witch's hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Tim Sale like based this off of some Disney TV movie from like the '60s uh, called. Uh, uh, the the scarecrow is a character called the scarecrow, and it was like uh, of Remy Marsh or something like that, or Remy Marsh, and it was like a a guy who's like a smuggler or something like that who puts on a, a scarecrow costume to mm. to smuggle. It might be like a Robin Hood type thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. At least, you know, it's, it's always nice when because a lot of almost just about anything in life is usually inspired by something. So it's like yeah. a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff that continues getting knocked off. You get Joker that's, you know, inspired from Conrad Veet in The Man yeah. Who Laughs. And now you got Scarecrow inspired by some <laughs> obscure TV movie from Disney. So that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, once again, you get Gordon uh, getting to get the Wayne Manor. He wanted to talk to Bruce again. Of course, uh, he's not there. Because Alfred's holding strong. He is. And he does remind him that it is Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was close with his mother. Yeah. Always got an excuse, don't you, Alfred? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, the issue itself kind of goes by kind of quick. It's a quick read, yeah. to be honest. Um, because you also then cut to, like, Sophia Falcone, uh, Falcone doing her, you know, investigating of things and interrogating other underworld characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's kind of uh, assaulting an Asian man. Yes. And uh, winds up getting a lead to a Chong's tea house, which I think is associated with, uh, was it probably through Maroney, I think? I forget. Yeah, I think so. And gets there a little too late because Holiday strikes again. Yeah, because it was like... At Chong's tea house. Yeah. He what, um, the she She finds out that like... Holiday is getting his his gun or something from them. Yeah, right? custom made uh, yeah, custom, custom made twenty two pistols yeah. are being made by this person that's uh, working the front of this house. You know, it's a yeah. legal front for more criminal activities such as making custom guns. Yeah, and who's Holiday's next victim? But the man that made his gun. <laughs> yeah, or her gun. Her gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, just on time for Sophia to like catch uh, to see. You know, just to get there a little too late though. Yeah. Nope. Uh, oh, here they boy. come. They're coming. They're, They're coming, coming for, for us. holiday. <laughs> it's this not is, us. <laughs> this is very timely because, like, the next thing I was going to talk about is like Bruce being in Crime Alley, <laughs> <laughs> putting on a, a radio play for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to add like thunder and stuff. With <laughs> uh, David, just lives in a rough neighborhood, guys. <laughs> mean streets over here. My city. She screams. She screams. <laughs> Some classic spirit for anybody that's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we do uh, next see Bruce in Crime Alley visiting, of course, the site of his parents' death. Um, but the things quickly escalate for him once the uh, fear toxin quicks, uh, you know, <laughs> kicks in a little bit yeah. hard on him. And he's then being pursued by the police. Who's and Gordon himself. Gordon himself, yeah. yeah. You know, they call for him. You know, they're going you know, to talk to him. They just want to talk to him. They just want to talk to him. And Bruce turns around and instead of seeing Gordon in his uh, fear-induced state, uh, Bruce sees Joe Chill. Yeah, yeah. Although I think in this uh, lore of Batman, the person that murdered his parents have yet yet never to be been caught. caught yeah. yeah, never been caught. So, so just a, I guess it's just a thug. Just a thug to yeah. him. Yeah, just some low life who murdered his parents. Yeah, and um, he takes off. He takes off. He's running. He's gunning <laughs> for it. <laughs> One thing that I like is 
because Bruce is, uh, you know, under the influence of this fear dachshund, he's making no qualms of like having to hide his abilities or anything like that. That he, he like takes off and he's immediately like jumping he, this extreme height to get to this uh, fire <laughs> escape and like jumping across these rooftops and stuff. But and he's, he's on just, top of a bus <laughs> at some point. Yeah, he jumps onto a moving bus, and I can only imagine Gordon being like, "How did he? How did he do that?" <laughs> And, and also, all the while, like, you know, Gordon's men are apparently trigger-happy enough because he has to remind them to hold oh, yeah. fire yeah. every single time. I mean, this is Gotham Police, man. It is Gotham City. The police suck. And uh, But the thing is, he ain't got no gun. He's not doing anything. And technically, he's not even, like, under arrest. He was just going to be questioned. Yeah. But uh, Bruce makes it to his destination on time, which is the gravesite of his parents, specifically his mother's tombstone. Mm -hmm. The last image of this issue is him hugging it with tears streaming down his face while yeah. law enforcement engages closer to him. Yeah. Um, a, kind of a very sad end, unfortunately, to this issue. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it is an, an arresting image of him hugging that, uh, uh, hugging the, the gravestone, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially since the uh, cover of this issue is him as a little boy placing a flower to his on his mom's grave. Yeah, and in in the in his fear induced state, um, his his inner monologue here, um, when he thinks he sees his parents' killer and he runs, he's thinking to himself, "Run, mother, run!" So it's like he's he's back there. He's a little kid again, and he's thinking that he's with his mom and and is protecting her, running with her, running away. And as he gets, uh, as he's like jumping to the bus and stuff, he's saying, we made it, mother, we made it. And uh, as he gets to the, uh, the the gravestone here, he's thinking to himself, he wanted the pearls. And it's just like, man. Once again, just kind of like putting that guilt on himself. Yeah. And, you know, just that's one of the more fascinating things about good writing for Batman, yeah. especially like in Batman Forever, as we've talked about, like the, there's elements to that where it indicates that Bruce blames himself. He mm -hmm. wanted to go out. Yeah. Like that's always a very, you know, you're a kid, you know, yeah. it's not your fault that and, you decided to go out that this was the, I guess the version and timeline in which your parents are taken away from you. Yeah. And he, he says it earlier in the, um, in the story when he goes to crime alley to the spot where they were killed, he says that, you know, he wanted to go out and see the movie. He wanted his mom to dress up. He wanted everyone to dress up to make it a special night. And she said, you know, no, he wanted her to put that pearl necklace on. And she said, no, it's only a thing for special occasions. And he says, well, can't tonight be a special occasion? And humoring him, she puts on the pearls. And once he gets to the gravestone, he's thinking to himself, the Robert wanted the pearls, you know, he, he wanted the pearls. Batman wanted, you know, Bruce wanted the pearls on, uh, on his mom. And that's the thing that the, um, well, Joe Chill, I'll say Joe Chill. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Joe yeah. Chill wanted, yeah. so. It's, it is a very sad and dour ending to that, you know, for, for, you know, Batman, for Bruce Wayne. And that yeah. it's like, you know, his worst fear is that it's him that was the cause of his parents' murder. Yeah. You know, and, um. And again, another good way to retell his origin without retelling his origin, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very creative and, and very subtle way to try and implement those elements of, you, you know, just that self-loathing and self-hate and the self, yeah. you know, the guilt that you've driven yourself to yeah. and that you're blaming 
yourself for something that caused your single greatest pain in your life. Yeah. And it's it's very sad. It's very sad to kind of like see that imagery. And it's always sad when like you get a really, it's incredible and it's sad, I should say, when you get a very well-written mm-hmm. Batman character that, you know, has that weight yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people out there have events in their life where they feel they're the cause of the problem right. and they put that on themselves Yeah, and they keep reliving it over and over and over yeah. again. And, you know, kind of the reference, the Harley Quinn episode from season three, mm-hmm. the, you know, Batman Begins Forever. Oh, yeah. Where it's in his mind. He's It happens all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. It, he's, you know, it's he's punishing himself mm-hmm. nonstop for the murder of his parents over yeah. and over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, it's exhausting. But at the same time, that's what drives him, dude. That's mm-hmm. his promise to his folks. And this he won't ever happen to anybody again. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a very pointed end to uh, Mother's Day for, for Bruce Wayne. Martha. Martha. Got to save <laughs> Martha. What? What? Why, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? You have to say Martha. <laughs> you know, uh, I know I'm saying it jokingly, but for real, though, that scene makes sense to me. Sorry. It, it does to me, too. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for all the BBS haters. <laughs> all the Beavis haters out there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, moving on though, we got chapter nine, we got father's day. Once again, first page, a much more different character. It's a flashback of Thomas Wayne. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dr. Thomas Wayne. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor. He's guy. a doctor. God damn it. He didn't spend all that time. He didn't spend 10 years in school. So you can call him Mr. Mr. Or master Wayne is <laughs> Dr. Wayne or master Dr. Wayne. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Master. Dr. Master. Uh, yeah, a cool flashback sequence here of events yeah. that uh, does fill in uh, to us, the readers, the history between the Falcone family and the Waynes. Here's the link that Dent had between Bruce and uh, Falcone. Which is funny because like, I can see you know, from a more uh, outside perspective how this could in, you know, sort of fuel mm-hmm. what he suspects yeah. is going on. But when you actually... Look at, you know, read the flashback and see what happens. It's like, you know, the entire time. I guess suppose we should as well just say what we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, the flashback is of a of, of Dr. Thomas Wayne answering um, a call at his door and happens to be Vincent Falcone, the father of Carmine Falcone, mm-hmm. who is there with him, um, who's being carried by him because he's been shot a couple of times in the yeah. chest by Luigi Maroni. Luigi. The father of uh, Salvatore Moroni, who is out to get him and uh, doesn't want to take him to a hospital. Standard mobster stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, that would make things worse in yeah. a lot of ways, I guess. And at the same time, it's the Hippocratic Oath of Thomas Wayne to put this man on his dining room table and to get his bag and his medical bag and uh, do his best. And even yeah. Alfred's like in there chipping in and doing his part, too. Which yeah, is cool I, I always like that. I like that too. It's like you don't really get a lot of exploration of Alfred's background in this story or even in like the subsequent stories too. But I like the consistency of Alfred across the board always being a useful servant. And yeah. He's got some training, you know, yeah. whether it be, you know, like uh, army medical training or something, you know. Yeah. He's not just a guy that gets you your sandwich, you know. <laughs> right. There's more than meets the eye to Alfred when yeah. it comes to like his skill set and what he's done, what he's experienced and what he's capable of. Yeah. So to see him like to, at, at Thomas Wayne's side yeah. assisting him is is a pretty nice sight to behold in, in a sense. And then you don't get to mm-hmm. see too much of Thomas Wayne like that 
uh, in the you know in this context. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And then Thomas uh, Wayne looking like Tom Selleck in this. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> and what's pretty cool about that too is you know Bruce is recounting him like witnessing witnessing him do this, mm-hmm. and he's more in awe of what his father is capable of doing. Right, yeah. You know, all the while you got like, uh, you know, Carmine's father like telling him like you've made a powerful friend, all this other stuff, and you know, y- you know, you'll be rewarded very well for this. And you know, of course, you know, Thomas Wayne's a m- multi-billionaire. He doesn't, yeah, doesn't like, care what, about what, what. What can you give me that I don't already have? Yeah. Right, and of course, you know, Vincent's like, oh, you know, you, you know, powerful friends. You know, I can make anything happen. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's kind of cool because like Thomas Wayne doesn't care. Like he's mm-hmm. doing what's right. Yeah. And you see where Bruce gets this, you know, sense of, of right and wrong. And, you know, it, it gets mutated <laughs> after his trauma into this becoming Batman. But it's it's there. He sees his dad doing, like you said, doing what's right. And it's the, the element of, of just, how should I say this? It's the element of being a human and trying to, like, yeah take care of one another and right. trying to support each other and trying to, like, you know it's it's a life yeah you know life is precious and that's mm-hmm. a, a lesson that bruce has carried out you know a, a good writing dictates that he cares more about preserving life right you know mm-hmm. he'll do anything he can to save a life yeah. even if it's the scummiest of scum you yeah. know he'll do it mm-hmm. and that's an example clearly from this story that you learned from his father mm-hmm. which this whole thing man let me tell you i was giddy when we got that clip that was released early about the batman oh yeah where uh, Carmine Falcone, <laughs> played by John Turturro in the Batman, yeah. recounts the story. This exact, like this yeah, exact thing. Like, he even mentions rips. Bruce being up and seeing the whole thing up at the uh, top of the stairs. Yeah, it's it's cool. I yeah. th- I thought that I thought them just straight up going for that mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, totally. So um, this does transition, though, to what's going on in the present day, which is uh, them being in court and Bruce is on trial for possible associations with Falcone. Uh, luckily, the jury acquitted him from all of that <laughs> in quick time. And I think what was cool about that, too, is that uh, Alfred takes the stand. Oh, yeah. And Alfred does really good verbal jousting with Dent mm-hmm. to basically point out, like, well, Thomas Wayne's a doctor and all this yeah. other stuff. So Yeah, because uh, what does he say here? Uh, is the because it's the part that leads to like oh. to, to Gordon saying like eh, shouldn't have done that Harvey he's got you <laughs> yeah you 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 played your hand a little too too hard uh, let's see oh yeah they they said how come it was never reported that that Thomas Wayne you know worked on on Falcone and uh, he said well maybe he did but we know back then there was so much corruption in the uh, Gotham uh, police. Um, that it maybe got lost, you know, and uh, and he, he even then he Alfred brings it back to even to this day nobody knows who killed Thomas and Martha Wayne, so he's kind of pointing out like it could have been Falcone, yeah, right, yeah, and and just yeah, yeah, and just like the idea that uh, there's still so much corruption in Gotham City to this day, you know, and you're trying to pin this on Bruce, but. Yeah. yeah, he was a boy at yeah. the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 funny. Like, it, it's funny to see Alfred do what Alfred does best, which mm-hmm. is sometimes basically just stating the obvious. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it is well. It's well done. Yeah, well done. Once again, great great writing on that one. Um, while visiting his own father, though Sal Maroni witnesses the murder of Big Lou, 
the hands of Holiday. Holiday strikes again on Father's Day. Who would have thunk it? Look at that. Killing a daddy on Father's Day. And another uh, transition, another event that kind of occurs is uh, a nice little kind of like a back-to-back sequence here, too, where Carmine receives a gift from Sophia, and it's a tie. But he gives her such a cold reception to that. Yeah. You know? And you can see how upset she is. You know, she wanted to give him a nice birthday present. And he's just like, I appreciate the gesture. Yeah. But who says that? (laughs) All the while being spied on Catwoman, by the way. Yeah. It is. Uh, I. Th- this is a, a really good, um, a really good issue. Tying into everybody's, you know, like how everybody relates to their fathers. Um, you see Sophia, how she relates. You're seeing Sal Maroney, how he's relating to his father. His father gets killed. They're talking about what happened with Thomas Wayne. It's yeah, it's great. Very father heavy for sure on Father's yeah. Day, and you get Gordon who gets his Father's Day gift. It's a Pretty much like a, it's a tie that's been uh, creatively adjusted by his <laughs> son's handprints and all that. And he appreciates it. He puts it on right away. Yeah, I was going to say, here's a big uh, juxtaposition on how, you know, the Roman got his gift. And Gordon gets his gift from, you know, he comes in late, obviously, because he's been working late. But he comes in super appreciative. Even though the boy's not there to see him put it on, he still puts it on because he loves it. It's a little tie that... Uh, the, his son had put kind of uh, the handprints, handprints yeah, on, yeah. yeah. Very cute. Very cute stuff. Uh, Dent tells uh, Gilda that he uh, visit his father, who apparently must have a very odd relationship with, but he was uh, gifted a coin. Oh. Yeah, I forget exactly what uh, kind of coin it was. I, I think, I th- I'm not sure if he describes it. I thought it was like something special about it. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there is anything special about it. Yeah. Um, it is revealed that Scarecrow is working with the Mad Hatter, who, of course, is probably likeliest the one who uh, bailed him out of Arkham. Uh, and it's revealed that they're also both working for Carmine Falcone. Once again, Carmine is working with them freaks. But, uh, and then you get a nice little scene with uh, Bruce and Alfred kind of just reflecting on his father's choice to save Falcone and how that changed the course of the city's history and his life and all sorts of lives out there. Mm-hmm. One thing with uh, Scarecrow and, and Mad Hatter. Uh, <laughs> the dialogue. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real hard to follow because they're, you know, they're, they're playing up the mental illness of both of them. Yeah. And they both kind of speak in these nursery rhymes. And, you know, Mad Hatter only speaks in, like, quotes, I guess, from, from Al- Alice, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, Alice through Looking Glass yeah. and all that nonsense. Uh, yeah, that's goofy. Uh, I'm not. I'm not necessarily into that. But uh, it, like you said, it it points out their mental illness and mm-hmm. these two lunatics that you know have taken their gimmicks straight from like other you know mythologies and and stories yeah. and turn turned it into their own twisted versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. So a uh, nice little end to the book though too, with uh, Maroni showing up in uh, Dent's office to uh, team up. Um, I was going to say, too, one of the cool um, art pieces in that story is during the Bruce and Alfred um, um, panels, mm-hmm. or I think near the end of it, Bruce kind of, uh, yeah, he, Bruce kind of mimics what he did as a kid sitting up at the stairwell looking down at the dining room table, which is presently, you know, vacant. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice little kind of uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
you know, things kind of repeat, you know, history repeats. And, oh, okay. you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I forgot. I'm, you, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, what we're Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, there, there, there's a cool thing where Alfred is, uh, you know, approaches uh, Bruce as he's on the stairs. And Bruce is, uh, tells Alfred, I, I just miss him, Alfred. Is that so wrong? I'm talking about his dad. And Alfred says, no, there's nothing wrong with that. You are very much your father's son. And that goes back to what we were talking about, where you see Bruce gets that sense of right and wrong by watching, watching his dad, you know, uh, fix up Carmine, even though Carmine is <laughs> a dirty thief, a dirty. Well, and he's pretty much essentially the, uh, well, the, not to evoke this name, but he's the the bane of Gotham City, essentially. You know, like <gasps> how how can you say that? Why, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> beat the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he ends up being more of a detriment to the uh, growth and progress of Gotham City for the own personal, you know, gain that he gets mm-hmm. with organized crime. So, yeah, I mean, it's almost like, you know, if you kill baby Hitler, uh, there wouldn't be no Holocaust, there yeah. wouldn't be no World War Two. yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, that- and that's kind of the, the idea here is, like, you know, had his dad not done what he did to save this life. Mm-hmm. How many lives, how many sons and fathers and mothers and daughters, yeah. uh, so many other countless people that would have been alive or would be thriving in mm. this, you know, in, in, the, in the modern day environment versus yeah. this, the world that the, that Gotham City is, the, the state of Gotham City presently in this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's one of those uh, uh, things that, that you think about with Batman. You know, if, if, if you just, you know, like Batman and Joker, if Batman kills the Joker... All the people that Joker will kill in the future <laughs> will not be killed, but you have to make that choice to kill somebody, you know, and that that's going too far. If if you make that choice, you're not any better than the person that you just killed, you know. Um, and so that's what that's what Thomas is going through. You know, that's what Thomas Wayne is uh, kind of living up to here. Is sure he knows. This family is is a mob family that they do bad things in Gotham. That if he doesn't save them, uh, it could mean that you know that stuff goes away. But it could also mean that something even worse comes along, or it could be something else terrible happens. You can only make the decision at that time. You know, you can only make the right decision at that time, and you can't you can't necessarily get too caught up in well, if I if I do the right thing now, does the bad thing happen later? Or if I do the bad thing now, does a good thing happen later? Because you don't know what's going to happen later. You can only you can only be who you are. You can only make the the right decision for yourself at that time. You know. Well, absolutely. It's like that executive decision kind of mentality. You have mm-hmm. to make a choice now. Yeah. And are you making the right one, or are you just? I mean, how do you know that you're making the right one? Right. Yeah. You know, in this case, Doctor Thomas Wayne is a doctor. Yeah. He's got Hippocratic oath. He has his morals. He has mm-hmm. his you know his his uh, codes. Yeah. And he's living up to that. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, a lot of like the layers of the history in this world, in yeah. this universe is so fascinating. And that just kind of really, that, that was a really cool connection that they kind of created yeah. for the story. Like you, you have these issues building up, like what's this connection? Mm-hmm. And there really isn't a connection. There's no partnership with the Wayne family and the Falcone family. No, yeah. There just happens to be this. One incident that happened. Yeah, this incident that happened that makes Carmine feel like he's a friends of the Wayne family. Right, yeah. But 
Bruce Wayne doesn't feel that way whatsoever. No, not at all. You know, he understands what his dad did. It, it, like kind of like the Batman when you know, he's you, when Carmine Falcone is recounting the story yeah. to his, you know, his scumbag peers yeah. and whatnot to, you know, to Bruce. And, you know, he asks Bruce like, "Why do you think he did that?" And Bruce is like, "He took a Hippocratic oath." And that makes him laugh. That makes Carmine yeah. laugh. I, like that's really a joke to you. Like that's how, I, of course he's a scumbag. So of course yeah. he thinks that's funny. And and I think it's like because he thinks it's more transactional than yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Because in in Carmine's world, you don't do something for nothing. You know, it's he, he, he's you like, scratch my back, I'll scratch exactly. yours mentality. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of I think too uh, uh, in in that movie in the Batman, you know, Carmine is looking at Bruce as this young kid and how naive he is to think. Oh, you know, Thomas Wayne took a Hippocratic oath, so that's why he he saved me. But really, I know that he saved me because he wanted something something done for himself. But in reality, it was that <laughs> Thomas Wayne took a took an oath, and yeah, you know, like yeah, because like in that movie, it's like he turned to him for one thing, which he knew immediately was a mistake when he yeah. saw where it went, and mm-hmm. it's like. And even then he wanted to backpedal on what yeah. happened, you know, respectfully so he can serve, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the balance of morality within the Wayne family is still intact. Yeah. So that's always nice. But fun issue, though, it revealed a lot. Yeah. You know, especially with the buildup of, like, what's the connection with the Wayne family and Falcone. And yeah. when you see it, it's like, it's cool because it just enhances, like, what Bruce grew up with and that positive environment and you know, what he learned mm-hmm. and it just kind of propels the story even more forward with like dense, you know, failure to, uh, he, he, he acted on, uh, on a false lead essentially, yeah. which was funny cause it was provided to him by his rat assistant that he doesn't right. know that's kind <laughs> yeah. of like not even on his side. So very, 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 very well layered writing on that one. Yeah. But moving forward to the next holiday, we're on chapter 10 mm-hmm. independence day. Welcome to earth. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> um, right off the bat, this issue starts with a murder yeah. from Holiday killing the Gotham City coroner, which is uh, seems like it's kind of our first civilian kill. This isn't yeah. uh, anybody that's that we know that would be connected with either the Maronis or the Falcone Falcones. Yeah, it's the first victim that's not related to the organized crime, mm-hmm. you know, aspect or element of this, which. It's a bit curious if you uh, kind of consider, I guess once we kind of get closer and closer to the end of the story, yeah. I was able to kind of rethink like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense of what I'm thinking of in my mind of how this really went down. But yeah. good stuff to like really throw people off. It's like right off the bat, we're starting off with a bang, no pun intended on the uh, holiday of choice here, but it's going right to the fact that we're, get, we're we got a new victim. Yeah. Um, during the holiday, of course, you got Bruce and Selena spend a little quality time together. Um, she's suggesting, hey, why don't we get away from Gotham? With all that's going on, let's just get away. We can go anywhere. Yeah. I've got ideas. Let's do stuff. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a sweet thing. And, of course, you know, it's Selena Kyle. So, I mean, who knows what her real intentions are kind of with that idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was really wanting to just get away with Bruce. I think so. Yeah. I think she did. Yeah. Uh, eventually you get uh, Batman meeting up with Dent who uh, talks about his mistake and his desire to take a break once the once Maroney testifies against Falcone and uh, recognizing that this job is just getting you know getting to him yeah it's tough yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep 
<laughs> um, it's a tough city to live in, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very thankless job being the uh, district attorney of Gotham City. Yeah. Harvey in this little sequence here is uh, flipping his coin. That yeah. coin that he got from his, from his dad. That's right. Yeah, he's getting used to doing that. Uh, Sophia confronts Maroney in jail, though, suggesting that she went to jail for him and that she never squawked. So she expects him to do the right thing. Don't turn on... Don't turn on Falcone. Yeah, don't turn on the, yeah. on the Roman. But both she and her father, knowing Dent, you know, put Maroney up to this anyways, so... They uh they do share a kiss. Yes, you see, there's a little bit of history here between, right? Which, which is a, a little odd to Warren families. A little a Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little Montagues and Capulets over here. <laughs> um, well, that's like I said earlier. Like, there's a connection there, but you don't really necessarily know exactly what the hell she went to jail for. But apparently, it's connected to Maroni. Mm-hmm. They have a they have or had a relationship. Yeah, and. There's still these tight rules and codes amongst mobsters and gangsters and organized crime families. Don't rat on yeah. us. Don't do this. You're going to no the rat. rat. Yeah. <laughs> In a town this bent, who's the rat to anyways? Thinking you get wise. <laughs> Thinking you get wise and have a taste. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a little revealing, but you're still it's still a little vague, though. I, mm-hmm. I kind of am curious, like, what more... Of that history, like what's about what what is that about? What's going yeah. on there? So, um, moving forward though, you do have a little moment here with Gilda, Gilda hanging out with uh, Barbara. Yeah, the wives yeah. of these uh, law-abiding citizens here. Um, Gilda just expresses her dislike of Gotham and you know how it changes things, how the city itself changes people, and all she wants is her Harvey back. Yeah. So you get a little bit more, you know, exposition on like. Uh, on Gilda Dent and mm-hmm. what she wants. And you get a little sprinkles of that here and there. She just seems very sad yeah, throughout this whole book. And it's not because she leads a sad life, yeah. per se. She loves Harvey. Yeah. Like that's uh, her Apollo. Mm-hmm. He's a good-looking dude. Right. He's, he's jacked in all the right places. <laughs> and uh, she's just hates, she hates what this job has done to him and yeah. what it's doing to their relationship. It's preventing them from starting a family. Yeah. The city itself is just eating everybody up and uh, she recognizes that and it just, she can't do anything about it. And we have a shot here. The first panel of the sequence is a windowsill showing a bunch of bottle, baby bottle nipples. Oh yeah, yeah. So there you get another idea of like, could it be Barbara? Could it be Barbara? Oh no, Barbara Gordon. Babs, no, <laughs> not not Barbara Gordon. The um, well, in this continuity, it's his niece who's right. also Barbara. Who's also Barbara, <laughs> yeah. Um, but this Barbara Gordon's also his wife. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, could Barbara Gordon, his wife, be Holiday? While investigating the coroner's death, though, uh, Batman and Gordon uh, notice fireworks. That lead to uh, some of the hijinks that uh, Mad Hatter and Scarecrow are going about. They're causing some havoc, though. Um, I think they were, what, just kind of going around shooting off fear gas or some shit? I don't know. They Yeah, it seems like they're shooting off uh, fireworks that have fear gas in them. <laughs> That's actually not a bad plot point. <laughs> it, it wasn't fully explored what they were getting into. They didn't really feel necessarily like threats. It's just implied, oh, they're psychos, so we got to stop them. Yeah, well... It- the the Roman yeah and 
Roman sent them to rob the bank or something. Right. He's. I think they're supposed to be transporting some of his laundered money too. Right. So that's he, what it is. he's got them doing some errand, but mm-hmm. obviously he's like. I don't know why do you it. trust these guys to yeah, do anything. Well, yeah, they're getting attention, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's nuts about it. They're getting all the attention. Yeah. They're just getting themselves caught up here with uh with all of that and doesn't take long for batman to catch up to them and they're trying mm-hmm. to take him out and with a little help from catwoman they succeed in taking down mad hatter and scarecrow so that wasn't really uh much of a challenge yeah um, there's a pretty sweet uh panel here of batman uh wrangling both ho- he's like standing on the back of both horses because uh scarecrow and mad hatter have like a stagecoach pretty much <laughs> it's like, like a cart and two horses that are pulling it um and batman jumps down and like you know breaks him up and is like Trying to wrangle these two horses, but he's standing on the back and like, he's a man's man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do like um, uh, kind of likening to the earlier part of the story with Bruce and Selina when Batman and Catwoman have a chance to kind of catch up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Catwoman is suggesting very much similarly, you know, mirroring what uh, Selina was proposing to Bruce. That they get out of there, get yeah. away, go do some stuff, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, Batman's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. I think this is supposed to kind of be the idea of like, you go on vacation in the summer, maybe, you know, it's like, it's time to get away. Yeah. I suppose, you know? so, yeah. I suppose that sounds about and right. Then, yeah. And it is tying, into what, yeah. tying into what uh, Gilda is saying about how Gotham, you know, changes you and she wants to get out of the city. And it's funny because like he's kind of, you know, Batman's trying to stay focused and he's like, well, you know, the Roman orchestrated all of this. Do you want to help? And she's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and she's like, you're lost. Yeah. And I like the last page of it too, where Batman's like, no, the price of independence. Yeah. It's not, it's not his loss. It's the price of independence is you can't take a vacation. You got to stay vigilant. Yeah. Yeah. I really do enjoy, uh, once again, how one track Batman can be at times, yeah. especially young, early Batman, where he's not like, look, this this is what he's dedicated himself to. Yeah. And there's a lot at stake if he were to like just give up mm-hmm. and go take a vacation. Yeah. So this is not a this is not a bad issue. You get a little bit more. Um, you, you know, they're starting to plant a little bit more about what matters to certain characters, like yeah. with with Harvey Dent, who's recognizing what the work is doing to him, and he feels like he's getting close to some form of an end that can give him a break eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that scene between uh, Barbara and Gilda, I think, is uh, you know one that we haven't necessarily seen uh, in in the book up to this point. This is like the two of them together, like actually talking about. Mm-hmm about you know what's important to them so it's good yeah kind of giving gilda a little bit more exposition to kind of work with and play with yeah which is where her where her head is at Mm -hmm. and at the same time giving like more insight to like how much closer selena is to bruce you know because they're spending a lot of quality time in that sense in in this issue Mm -hmm. and especially as their alter egos without them knowing that that's their alter egos but yeah even the closeness that Catwoman feels for the thrill of being around Batman, and he's such a serious guy, he can't he can't take. I'm sure he can tell he's being hit on, but he can't take the hit like that. He's not going to give in like that. Yeah, he's on the job. He's on the job. <laughs> but it's a fun way to kind of propel things in a direction that uh, sort of starts formulating what matters to some of these characters, especially to like someone like Gilda. Yeah. So you're getting a little bit more of a feel for that. Gilda. 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 Grace. 
<laughs> Apparently, um, I was reading a, an interview with uh, what, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, mm-hmm. and they talked about uh, in the early comics, um, Harvey, you know, does have uh, a wife, and I think like in her first appearance, she was named Gilda, and then later on, she was called Grace. And 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 uh, Jeff Loeb said, um, like that's how important of a character she was. Like they didn't even remember what her name was <laughs> from her first appearance. I think that uh, he does a solid job of establishing her as, you know, Harvey's primary love interest. And I mean, I've always, yeah, I I prefer Gilda over over Grace. There's enough Graces out there, not enough Gildas. (laughs) Although Gilda doesn't sound as good in the two-faced voice as Grace does. (laughs) Oh, you got to try it out. Gilda. Gilda. Fuck it. I give up. I give up. Actually, no, you fucking try it. Oh, it's going to be awful. Gilda. <laughs> Grace. Yeah. The name's so hot it sizzles. Grace. <laughs> you said it, man. <laughs> you said it, man. <laughs> well, on to the next holiday. We're looking at chapter 11, Roman holiday. Yeah. What day is that on? It's it's not any holiday. It's just Roman's birthday. It's just the oh yeah, it's Roman's right. birthday. Roman's birthday. Yeah, um, kind of starts off where Harvey's being confronted by Gilda for bringing evidence home. That being a twenty-two caliber gun. What the same weapon that has been famously or infamously used by the holiday killer for the past year, and. Uh, Found it on his workbench. Yeah, I mean, he just blows it off as something that he normally does, which is bring I, hey, home evidence. Baby, I do this all the time. All right, <laughs> hey, you see this as he waves the gun. It's evidence. I bring it home. I bring it everywhere. All right, I go to lunch with this thing. <laughs> see, I take a drugs, bath. These drugs are evidence too. I bring them all the time. I take baths in these things, man. <laughs> um, Batman goes on a search for the Riddler to learn why he was spared by Holiday in a very amusing sequence of him going to the bar during the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> I think he mentions too how it's like it, it, it the effect doesn't work as well in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong about that. Um, but Riddler being the Riddler does not really thoroughly provide him any sensible answers other than that it was April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. So he let him live yeah. or they let him live. Batman really fucks his bar up, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. Like, smashes his dude in the mouth with a baseball bat. They had breaks a chair. They fucking had it coming. Gets a chair broken over his back, but yeah, he takes it like takes a champ too. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I see you have the page open, but I love that mm-hmm. shot up the very top right corner panel there with Batman's. Oh, yeah, yeah, Batman's I, dude. Uh, Sale has does a great job with the close-up of Batman's faces. Yeah. I, it just, it looks great. It looks the, menacing. It looks frightening. The bar is smoky. It, you know, Batman is like very, very, you know, draped in shadow, but obviously those white slits of his eyes come out. I also like uh, on the previous page, that last panel where he's holding this dude and he's like hunched over. He just knocked some dude out. He's looking over at who's, uh, who you see is clapping. <laughs> and it's Riddler is clapping. It's great. It's good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, Carmine is being reprimanded by his sister for hiring freaks. So Carla, Carla Vitti and the rest of the, uh, the old mobsters here, they don't, they don't like, uh, they don't like what's happening here. They don't like that Carmine's losing his grip on uh, who he's associating with. Gotta, so. gotta, gotta, uh, resort to dealing with these freaks. 
Dealing with these freaks. Clowns. That's right. Uh, during the trial, though, of uh, Sal Maroney, who's about to testify, he uh, fakes an ulcer uh, on the way into the court. That little rat, Vernon. Vernon. How dare he? Passed uh, Maroney a bottle. What we thought was some, you know, something to help him some with his ulcer. Acid, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was acid, but oh, not acid, antacid. but not acid, yeah, not antacid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine Batman grabbing the bottle and like wiping off the word ant <laughs> for <laughs> antacid. Wait a minute, Wait <laughs> this a, is just acid. Wait a bit. Uh, he uh, uses this uh, bottle to throw what is acid in Harvey Dent's face mm-hmm. during his questioning. Um, so obviously Maroney has chosen to stick with his, uh, kind supporting his organized crime, uh, unit there. Yeah. That smooch really did a number on him. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> Brought him back over. I like that the, uh, descriptor that he gives when he threw the acid in Dent's face, he's like saying like, that stuff will eat through concrete. <laughs> oh, uh, he probably isn't named as such, but I do like that Batman's there in disguise as what I would assume is Matches Malone. Yeah, I, I was gonna say he he stands out pretty hard. <laughs> like he's got the 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 the, the uh, what's it called? He's got the skull cap on, skull cap, fake beard, and all sunglasses, black. all black. <laughs> like who is this guy? Is he an enforcer? What's happening here? Yeah, he's got to stand out. He's a big dude too. Uh, when I witnessed the whole thing, and um, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, the the artwork is a a double splash page, and uh, Bruce in disguise or Batman in disguise is up in like the top right corner, top right yeah. hand corner. And immediately, as I was looking through, I was like, "That's Batman." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, same me. here, same here. Like he just stands out; he yeah. really does. Um, during this time, though, you do have the Roman, yeah, Carmine Falcone celebrating his birthday amongst his family, so he's having a good time. Good for him. He's having a fun time. Uh, It ends with like Batman kind of stating how, or it kind of gets close to the end here, where where that whole panel there, where Batman in his inner monologue expresses that he will never forget the sound of dense screaming, Mm. which I imagine is getting acid on your face. The way that uh, dense screams in. uh, in (laughs) 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 My coins! (laughs) Where is it? Where? <laughs> <laughs> How them levels looking, man? <laughs> I think we may have blown something out, but oh uh, damn! We'll sorry, right. sorry about that. Sorry <laughs> about right. that, Syndicate. Sorry about that. Uh, while at the hospital, though, uh, you know, everybody's of course trying to check on Harvey. His doctor comes out. I forget. Does he fall into a? Does he fall into Bruce's arms or Gordon's? I forget. Uh, Gordon's arms. Gordon's arms, yeah. yeah. He falls into Gordon's arms and to reveal that he's been stabbed in the back all the while Two-Face escapes. I tell you, it never it never fails in any facet of like Two-Face mythology that mm. no matter what, he's going to escape a hospital after getting <laughs> his face scarred up. Yeah. It's always it's always gonna happen. <laughs> and while visiting the coroner's office, we do finally get a new victim from the holiday killer. Only this time it ends up being Carla Vidi. Look at that. So Carla Vidi is uh, killed on the Romans' holiday. How about that? How on about, her own brother's birthday. On her own brother's birthday. Who dare does that, man? Um, you know, this is a very significant issue because this definitely finally kind of pushes Harvey Dent into what we've been waiting for. Yeah. For him to be Two-Face. Yeah. 
And now he's got two faces. Yeah, and it's a pretty terrifying scenario. Yeah. Acid being thrown in your face. I don't like it. He should have just held up a manila envelope. Over his whole face. Over his whole face. <laughs> As we see from uh, Batman Forever, that manila folder will save you every time. Every single time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to back <laughs> you up. Um, I do, I do like that. Uh, yeah, I do like that they they stick with like probably one of the most horrific things that you can probably do to somebody like that. Yeah, um, and it's pretty wild. It disgusts me. <laughs> disgusts me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's even more disgusting: Labor Day, <laughs> Chapter Twelve, Labor Day. Nah, it's uh, it's not. Nah, Labor Day is not disgusting. It's a wonderful day to have off from yeah. work and all that fun stuff. Go grilling with friends. That's right. Or uh, in this case. Trying to recount uh, the Solomon Grundy uh, poem. <laughs> That's right. We open up with, uh, once again, another trope, like with all these opening pages, mm-hmm. is a really great shot of Harvey all bandaged up. You yeah. do not know what he looks like just yet. With a that. hint of one of his eyes that you mm-hmm. can see is all scarred up. Yeah. Yeah. You get a look at that. Um, but it does show Harvey and the sewers seemingly uh, in, in a couple of rough moments, but he eventually does make quick friends with Solomon Grundy by reciting the rest of that poem. <laughs> is that all Solomon Grundy was looking for? Is just he couldn't remember the rest of the poem, so he I needed somebody to tell it to him. Imagine if somebody just did that; he probably would be much cooler about it. And he does. He does really uh, mellow out once uh, Harvey starts <laughs> starts saying it. Uh, I mean, I would too if I was named after a character in a poem, <laughs> and and all and all my verbiage was just that poem. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. And then the rest. <laughs> uh, Gordon and Batman do talk about Dent, with Gordon questioning how long Batman has suspected that Dent was Holiday. Pretty interesting segment because it's like Gordon is just at his wits end. He's exhausted. And, mm-hmm. you know, trusting trusting Batman typically has been easy, but, like, I think he just wasn't really too keen on the idea that mm-hmm. he had this suspicion. He didn't really choose to share that with him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they they told each other they, they were all supposed to trust each other, but there's been secrets here. <laughs> and again, Gordon being like the straight arrow, he's the only one that doesn't have any secrets to these guys, really. He's being the most genuine and authentic in this partnership and yeah. what he's trying to do and give everybody as much leeway and support as he can yeah. to try and get this all sorted out. This thing that's been happening for like nearly a year. Yeah. You know? They find in Harvey's briefcase the, the 22. And the ledger uh, that would give him access to all of Harvey, or, uh, to all of uh, that's Roman's right. uh, accounts and uh, uh, the victims, all the holiday victims. I'm sorry. That's true. On the evening that they developed their uh, partnership, uh, it was the the night that Batman and Catwoman kind of broke into Ro- uh, to Roman to the Roman safe, mm-hmm. and one of the items that uh, Batman had retrieved was a ledger of his. That was shared with, uh, that was left behind for Gordon and, and Dent. So uh, a little detail we didn't mention in the last episode, but kind of comes back around to bite Dent in the ass to make him look like he's the uh, holiday killer at this juncture. Yeah. It's just evidence, baby. I take it home all the time. <laughs> it's evidence, I swear. <laughs> Ain't nothing more to it. Uh, Batman does confront Falcone again, asking if he knows about Dent's whereabouts. And all the while, you got Catwoman who continues to spy on Batman while he... Uh, you know, confronts Falcone on this. I do like how unafraid Batman is of Roman, of the Roman. I love it. Um, he, there's this thing here, you know, he he uh, is just outside uh, Carmine's bedroom, 
just standing on on the railing of the porch, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. And then Roman comes up to him and is pointing his finger in Batman's face, and Batman just grabs Roman's finger, <laughs> tosses him back into the <laughs> bedroom. Easily, too. I do like the uh, name drop here, by the way, when uh, Falcone is like, do you know what my people call this past year? The Long Halloween. Huh? <laughs> huh? 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 And then, you know, you get another confrontation with uh, with Batman and Catwoman, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's just trying to figure out why every single time that he's, you know, <laughs> that he's essentially always, you know, around, uh, you know, Carmine, mm-hmm. that she happens to also appear. Yeah. And she still, once again, isn't giving him an inch of anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's just what she does. She's she's a femme fatale, you know. That's Catwoman. Everybody's got secrets. Yeah, especially uh, possibly even Gilda. Got Batman even showing up at the Dent household to question Gilda about De- about uh, Harvey bringing evidence home. Yeah, and uh, she doesn't give him. She doesn't give him anything. Nope. No, nothing. <laughs> won't uh, won't give in at all. Nothing. Yeah, old Gilda tight lips here. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. What, what should I tell the What should I tell the ambulance when he comes by? Tell him to go suck a lemon. <laughs> and then you know, Batman uh, meets with Calendar Man again. He continues, in my opinion, to be slightly useless, only caring that he's being forgotten, <laughs> or at least he suspects he's being forgotten. And then, uh, kind of one of the big shocking twists to end this issue, though. Yeah, this is, is a pretty sweet scene. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so. Maroney, who apparently after throwing acid in Harvey Dent's face was shot a few times in the chest and lived right, yeah. and is good. But he's being escorted to, uh, I think, what, to uh, another facility, I think? or yeah. yeah. He's being taken elsewhere. But in the transit, you've got Gordon, uh, some security team or some security detail, mm-hmm. uh, especially one fella that looks bigger than most. Yeah. Um, but they're caught off guard as... Maroney gets shot a couple of times in the head. Woo. Yeah, yeah. And it's revealed that Holiday, because that's a, he's dressed up in the normal Holiday garb, the big trench coat, the hat, mm-hmm. and it's been revealed himself to be Alberto <gasps> Falcone. Bum, bum, bum. Big twist to end the 12th issue of this whole uh, arc, the 12th chapter here. And Alberto's got... Uh... Got Gordon at gunpoint. Yeah, so that's a real big twist there. We thought he died by the end of New Year's Eve. That was like, psh. yeah, I'm like how many issues ago? Three, four. Ah, ah, that was about maybe six. Oh, hold on, no, no, that was about no, it was about that's New Year's Eve. That was about the fourth issue. So this is issue twelve. So about eight issues ago. Yeah, we haven't seen this guy. And let's see what count his gravesite. <laughs> really threw us off the scent by him being dead. Yeah, like he was. That was a long gap. Yeah, which once again kind of plays into the fact is was he the one that killed his aunt Carla Vitti? Was he the right. one that killed the coroner? Yeah, the more recent kills, you know, the ones where mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more interconnected with mm-hmm. like because up to that point, you know, Carmine's people were being attacked, mm-hmm. not. Right. Not Maroney's. But yeah. then after, I think, Alberto's gone, you start seeing Maroney's guys get killed and yeah. off and all this stuff. So that could really cause the idea that Alberto was partly the ho- you know the holiday killer. Yeah. So who knows? We'll find out. We'll find out. Because now we are on the last chapter of The Long Halloween, Chapter 13, Punishment. And let me tell you, 
the opening like pages of this is pretty uh, pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. So just previously, there were three people. There was Gordon, a guard, and Maroni. Maroni gets shot by Alberto. The guard goes to take out Alberto. Alberto shoots the guard, and now he has his gun pointed at Gordon. That's the scene that we're at right now. So you think that Gordon is just by himself. Who? Nobody's there to save him. But what happens? Well, what does happen? Oh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That guard... Gets back to life. (laughs) Comes back up as a Lazarus guard. (laughs) (laughs) Lazarus guard. Comes up, he takes out uh, Alberto, and you find out who is it. It's Batman. Batman in disguise. Yeah. And a, um, he proceeds to beat the ever-loving shit dude. out of... Dude, he crushes his hand yeah. with, the, with his... Uh, his uh, was it right hand? So he's like... Yeah. The, 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 his gun hand. Mm-hmm. Dude, he crushes it with his, uh, with his hand. <laughs> like... Falcone, like Falcone is just so you know weasley and and tiny and all that. Like, yeah. there's this great one too where he's like, um, oh, what is it? I'm thinking of something else where he like punched somebody in the gun. He's like, I hope I didn't just break his ribs, but I don't think it was for him. No, uh, okay, think of somebody else earlier, but but the reveal of Batman in the guard suit too is kind of funny because he just has to remove the helmet and his ears are still. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> But it's it's great. Like you just see him pummel him endlessly. Yeah. He oh, here breaks it is. his hand. He he steps on uh, on his hand. Yeah. That yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It cripples it too. Yeah. And it, it takes Gordon to just be like. Cause there's this great shot where Gordon just you know in color. Gordon's in color. Batman's in black, and mm-hmm. it's pretty much all black. And you can see him gritting his teeth as yeah. he's like basically about to strangle Falcone. Yeah. And Gordon's the one that kind of talk him off the ledge where he's like, Batman, enough. I won't let, I won't let you do something that we'll both regret. Yeah. This is something that, uh, I think Jeff Webb does this kind of thing again in Hush, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Right? That same kind of scene. Yeah, like Gordon. Gordon pulling Batman back from the brink. From, from killing, damn near killing Joker, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's, once again, it's, it's solid writing because Batman's always the type where I think he's so close to being on the edge sometimes. Yeah. Especially when you've been dealing with a year long case like this. Yeah. Someone's been murdering people left and right. Yeah. And you finally got your hands on them. And it's like, you know, would would Batman go all the way? Right. Yeah. We don't know. He's got that anger. It looks like he wants to, man. But I'll tell you this much though, man, he, just destroyed this fucking kid. It's it's really cool because it's like, if if he really is the main holiday killer, mm-hmm. then he's got he had all of that coming to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's even better because like you get Carmine that visits Alberto and he's <laughs> questioning him and he's trying to of course you know sort of coddle him by being like give him that special treatment like look I can get you out of here yeah you know you're my son we'll take care of this and Alberto's just like dismissing it because. He's expresses his, you know, he's expressing his disdain for his father for always putting the business ahead of his own family. Mm-hmm. Alberto says that he is Holiday and he is more famous than his father now, which is kind of a weird thing to stick to your father. That I'm a, <laughs> I'm a murderer, Dad, a bigger murderer than you. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, it's like I think earlier in the story, uh, Alberto wants to be part of the business. He's he wants to be taken seriously, but. 
you get the sense that you know Roman doesn't really take Alberto seriously. He's supposed to be like like they'd say before, he's the good son. He's the one that's not involved in the in the family business. He's you know a, a thin, spindly kind of tweedy character. Um, so I'm I'm guessing all throughout his life he's been dismissed as being a weak person. Yeah, the runt of the litter, yeah. basically. Well, especially when you got when you got a sister that huge too. Yeah, yeah, he's not strong enough to to do what it takes in this business. But now he's he's like feeling himself. He's like, hey, I'm I'm the holiday killer. I've been I've been I'm more famous than you now, Dad. I've I've made more of a mark on this city than you have. Which, considering that the uh, the future of Gotham is already kind of changing hands from gangsters, mobsters, organized crime to mm-hmm. supervillains, colorful yeah. ones. You know, you got you got the Mad Hatter out there. You got Scarecrow. You got the Joker. You got Poison Ivy. You got Solomon Grundy, and now you got Holiday. So yeah. it's like kind of feeding into the the sickness of what Gotham is becoming, which is more flamboyant and, and mm-hmm. just these memorable events that are occurring that people all around the world are probably going to be like, wow, like looking at a mobster is just not the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't have the same thrill that it used to have. <laughs> nah, it just doesn't do it for me anymore, brother. Um, Har- uh, Harvey begins breaking the super criminals out of Arkham using his father's coin to decide who he frees because he just about gets mm. everybody, but his coin decides otherwise against Calendar Man where he's like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> which has got to be salty for a Calendar poor, Man. Poor, Calendar Man. Poor, poor Calendar Man. He's being, he's being forgotten even by the coin. <laughs> but with the escape uh, Arkham inmates, Harvey now going by Two-Face, <laughs> stages an attack uh, on Falconia's men with uh, Batman arriving on time to take out most of the uh, escaped Arkham inmates, there's that great two-page uh, spread mm-hmm. with uh, them in Falcone's office. Yeah. Because you've got Solomon Grundy, who's Two-Face's bestie. You've got Poison yeah. Ivy. you got Catwoman there reluctantly. you got Scarecrow. I think Matt Hatter there, yep. And then, uh, what, Two-Face just hiding right behind the Joker there, or at least in a, the silhouette of him. Yeah pretty great it's a really good looking shot you also got the penguin who hasn't made it an appearance oh, yeah, yet that's right yeah <laughs> but here Peng- he is. yeah yeah that's right penguin hasn't really he hasn't done zero he's done zilch in this in this story yeah. so a little cameo appearance from the penguin late in the game but doesn't hurt and uh yeah it's just them basically causing havoc but batman there to save the day in a lot of the ensuing chaos, uh, Two-Face captures Carmine, the Roman Falcone, and delivers two shots, bang, bang, to the head. <laughs> That's two. That's two. Nah. Yeah. That's two shots to the head of Carmine, the Roman Falcone. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. There, there's a pretty cool uh, uh, Batman sequence here of, of Batman knocking down the door, dropping a bunch of smoke bombs on everybody and pretty much just taking out the whole room of, of his whole rogues gallery. You know, little help from uh I feel like if that was Cat like a, if that was a live action movie it would probably be really dope. Yeah. To see him like do all these different things to take out each villain yeah. respectively for their skills and what they do. Punching Joker right in the face with some oh, brass knuckles. Break, and breaking how many <laughs> breaking teeth? Breaking all those teeth, yeah. And breaking all those Long teeth, dude. teeth. And uh Yeah, man, netting up uh looks like Penguin and Scarecrow, or no, Mad Hatter, taking out Scarecrow with a battering, gra- oh, grabbing Catwoman and asking, whose side are you on? Yeah. And she's like, the same side I'm always on. <laughs> Her own. <laughs> it's there pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, 
Sophia Falcone, mad that her father was just murdered, is being slightly subdued by Catwoman. But Sophia t- uh, attempts to take them both out by breaking out the window of the skyscraper. <laughs> yeah, she jumps out the window. A uh, Catwoman, though, luckily is is just fine. She manages to. And she it, was trying. I think she was. He was trying to save. She was Sophia trying to save too. Sophia. She yeah. says, "Don't, Sophia." Yeah. It's why? Why was she so right? What? Yeah. Once again, you're you're. I think that's one of the. I mean, spoiler alert: we don't really actually find out whatsoever. Yeah. Why Catwoman is so eager to be involved in the Falcone business here mm-hmm. of what's happening with all this drama, but she's seemingly, you know, worried for Sophia to yeah. sacrifice herself over this whole situation. So mm-hmm. a little compassion, but Sophia falls uh, a great distance <laughs> out of a building. <laughs> uh, Two-Face manages to uh, escape, uh, take care of one last piece of business. And uh, he, what does he do? He, he knocks out Batman with the, with the, with the gun, right? He pistol whips him. <laughs> yeah, he pistol whips him. That's a lot more uh, believable to me than the double axe handle from uh, the animated <laughs> series. <laughs> um, that last piece of business, though, that he's got to take care of is Vernon. Yeah. Two-Face gets back to the DA's office, sees Vernon there, and, well, he gets his revenge. He does. Yeah. Bullet to the head. Look at that. Bullet to the head. Couldn't have happened to a weaker guy. <laughs> a rattier man. A rattier man. Um, once he's finished with his revenge path, Two-Face does the right thing and turns his, turns himself in mm-hmm. uh, to both Batman and Gordon. Um, and I think that there's it's really great. I got to get to page two because I, I, what I like about it is, you know, Gordon and I think Gordon and Batman meet up and they're like, <laughs> like, is that it? You know, is there a... Hold on, I think it's like Harvey. You betrayed everything you believe in, mm-hmm. and 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 Two Face is like not everything. Arrest me, Jimbo. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll see how the law and order handle Harvey Dent. And I, 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 I like that. I think that's so different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like, it's not your typical. Oh, the character is gonna get away. Yeah, and- he's because he's still he's still the DA. He still has that sense of justice. Yeah, he killed, killed twice. He says tonight. How fitting, Two Face killed twice, um, and uh, twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, we'll see how Law and Order handle Harvey Dent, and then the uh, big bad horror part of him takes over <laughs> and says, "One second, you both know, don't you? There were two holiday <laughs> killers." <laughs> I was really like that. There were two <laughs> holiday killers. <laughs> I like the uh, the the very the 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 whisper low text. You know where they oh, do the, yeah. uh, the, the the dotted line, the dotted yeah. line kind of bubble where he's like, what? Gordon's like, what? What? <laughs> um, interesting. You know, so like, you know, Harvey could be talking about himself. That you know, there's a holiday killer that was killing everybody up until Harvey killed the Roman. And now he's considering himself as as that, or maybe Harvey knows something that we don't know. Right, and um, you know, it kind of just goes into them trying to suspect exactly what the cost is of this whole situation. What it, you know, the, the past year has been like for them. Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 a crazy like turn of events from one thing to the next, and how things escalated for them. 
and they didn't foresee any of that. They figured that the holiday stuff would have been should have been solved well before Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, and it hasn't. It, it literally, in t- up to this point, in a sense, they kind of have it figured out, but not really. Yeah. So it's nuts. Yeah. Um, you get this great kind of sequence where you know Gordon gets home, you know, to his his wife and his his son. Um, they mentioned earlier too that his niece is probably going to be is, is staying with them now. So you got a little Barbara Gordon. There we go. There, which is pretty cool. And you got Barbara, uh, his wife, asking, what are you going to do now? And Jim just says, what I have to continue, or what I have to continue. Mm-hmm. I believe in Gotham City. Once again, just really playing to the strengths of, like, how Gordon is hopeful in that yeah. manner. Yeah. Like, he is the consummate good guy. Yeah. He believes in that. Mm-hmm. And I like the inner monologue with Batman. I want to kind of read all of this, too, because I, yeah. I think this is magnificent stuff that really... And this is, like, the last shot that you have of Batman for the uh, for this for this book. But I'll go ahead and... Uh, or do you want to do it? Do you want to no, do it? No, go for me. You really? Do it, yeah. you want me to do it? All right. So this is a, the last uh, kind of double-page uh, spread here of Batman in Gotham. And he has this inner monologue, and he says, I made a promise to my parents that I would rid the city of the evil that took their lives no matter what that evil looks like or becomes. I believe someday I will make good on that promise. I have to. I believe in Batman. Hey. Cut that uh, other crap out that I messed up, though. <laughs> we all believe in Batman. We all believe in Batman. Yeah, I believe in dot, dot, dot. That is a motif that's running throughout the whole thing. Um, I think I think uh, Bruce says it in the beginning or i believe yeah, he says the very be- beginning the very i believe in thing. i believe in gotham city i believe in gotham city uh gordon just says i believe in gotham city throughout the thing there's i believe in uh, harvey dent i, I believe that, in batman yeah i believe in batman now and uh kind of jumping to uh christmas eve so the story is not necessarily over with yet but on christmas eve we're being shown gilda mhm we're being shown her bringing some belongings down to the basement, and she started to eliminate things uh, that looked to be evidence Uh-oh. into the uh, the uh, the incinerator yeah, into the furnace. In, the, in the furnace. And we're we're talking nipples, <laughs> nips, nips, nips hats. and hips. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, baby nipples, hats, gun, a coat, a coat a gun. yeah, all sorts of things, and she's talking to herself essentially right mm. and she's confessing that she initiated the murders she started with Johnny Vitti and I think she was also the one that uh, took out yeah she like she left the hospital mm-hmm. to take out the Mickey and his gang yeah and she noticed though not long after that that Dent mm-hmm. Harvey took over and did a couple himself yeah so we're being revealed here that man this whole catalyst was Gilda yeah. And the whole purpose of it was to try and help him lighten the load of what's going on and yeah. to start a family and to focus on and on them. Mm-hmm. But if she would have only known that she basically drove this whole situation, she was the powder keg, essentially. Yeah, she, she lit the match She escalated everything. Yeah. How, how tragic. It is. But at the end of it all, kind of like what you said with the motif, she says it to cap off the end of the long Halloween on the story that I still believe in Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. And, huh? I said, look at that. She yeah, believes in him. She believes in him. Um, 
And that's the end of the long Halloween. All right. See you guys. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So there it is. So for, uh, you know, they they keep it kind of ambiguous. You know, they they don't give you like a lot of detective stories or, or, um, you know, things like that will give you like a definitive, okay, this is the killer and this is how he did it, you know? Um, And this is what I was talking about, you know, before with... uh, calendar man when he was saying you know mixing up the pronouns saying he and she he possibly knew that it was both harvey and gilda um and i guess i mean alberto took out uh maroney so he could be a holiday killer possibly (laughs) i think uh i think the calendar man was just winging it so (laughs) i'm not gonna give him that much credit really i mean he i mean I think he wanted to play it safe with his guesses. Yeah. And to keep getting regular visits from Batman to build up his rep. Mm. You know, reputation yeah. like, oh, they're they're coming to me for help. Yeah. You know? And I'll keep leading them on with whatever I think I might have a guess as, yeah. but he didn't really know. <laughs> um but then you kinda look at like with the Riddler and mm-hmm. him talking about the gun, that specific gun, the twenty two caliber, yeah. and how it's light enough for a female. Yeah. And he's thinking it's Catwoman. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, technically, it all started with a female, just not who he thought it was. Yeah. So, it's a really fascinating kind of take on that. Mm-hmm. Um, how you, it's great because you're reading the whole story. And once you get to the very end, I mean, up to that point, you're wondering, like, what would Two Face mean that, there, that there's two holiday killers? You know, right. like, it, you know, what does he know? Yeah. Does he know that it's Gilda? Um, right. Or does, does he just know that two people were killed and then he took over killing people, you know? Right. So at the very least, maybe it was Alberto and then he just suspects that he also, it's himself. So he's kind of just doing his thing, but it's pretty wild, um, how it kind of comes about, but what a well-rounded story altogether. You know, it starts with like the traditional elements of what brought Batman to life with, mm. you know, the organized crime in the city and the corruption and what they've done, what they've wrought onto their home mm-hmm. and the ensuing changes and evolution of Gotham to the super criminals with, with Joker and Mad Hatter, Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's got the best of everything yeah. and it's got a mystery to boot and it's got this great internal monologue that Batman has to... Con- you're, you're inside Batman's head a lot. Yeah. Which is a beautiful place sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, I think Jeff Loeb is probably perfect at writing what's always constantly just going through Batman's mind. The the direct, direct, you know, focus that he has mm-hmm. on trying to keep a promise that he made on his parents' life, you know, graves. Yeah. And just the fact that he is hell bent on keeping that promise and maintaining it by any means. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's thrown off when he's distracted by something as, uh, you know, wholesome and as nice as like having a relationship with, a uh, with somebody else like Selena. Right. Um, and at the same time being just so driven to solve this crime, to solve this mystery. And the fact that it, you know, essentially the story starts in June of one year all the way to Christmas and it ends on Christmas Eve the following year. Yeah. So we're, we're talking a year and a half yeah. that this book spans mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's kind of fun that way. Yeah. So I think the strengths of having it be 13 issues to give Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale some breathing room yeah. to give you more of a relationship with a lot of the main characters from Batman mm-hmm. to Harvey Dent 
to Jim Gordon to Carmine Falcone mm-hmm. to Selena Kyle even. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially like, you know, those big four. Like it's it's and talk about the layering of like who matters and what what they're doing and where they're at, you know, where they're aligned with, you know, on the spectrum of good and evil. Yeah. So it really is for me the consummate Batman story. It gives you everything that you could ever want from a Batman story. Yeah. Like I said, organized crime, freaks, Batman punching the hell out of people. <laughs> Chasing Catwoman. Chasing Catwoman. A little romance. A big mystery. Yeah. Him solving, him being the greatest detective. Yeah. Although, I don't know if he really solved it, though. <laughs> you know, for him to show up in, like, Gilda's, uh, yeah. you know, uh, basement, mm-hmm. you know, the, the den basement kind of just makes me wonder, too, if he had a yeah, feeling had a, on that one. Yeah. And I think you kind of find out later on in some of the other subsequent sequels that there's a little bit more knowledge that he has that he's been able to figure out since then. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, the legacy of this book has been pretty wide. Like, you know, we had mentioned in our previous episode that the um, a lot of the modern Batman movies have taken a lot from these uh, from this story. Um, and it spawned three follow-ups with Dark Victory, with When in Rome, and... The, the long, longest, the long, the long Halloween, Halloween, Halloween special, and this, and this podcast, <laughs> and this podcast, this, po- this series of podcast episodes here. Uh, yeah, it's it spawned a really, you know, a couple of really great sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Victory. Whenever we get to that, I mean, look, I'm going to tell you right now, right off the bat, Dark Victory is as equally as entertaining and as good mm-hmm. as this story is. It's a great continuation. Yeah, it's it's a good time. I'll be um, uh, excited to to do that one because. Dark Victory is another one that I haven't I haven't read in a long time. Oh so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it still holds up, man. It mm-hmm. it does a great job of doing new things while also sticking with the elements that worked for Long Halloween. Yeah, so I'm very biased on that one. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I love the story. I really yeah. do. It, it really is with all my heart. It's my favorite Batman story mm-hmm. um, to read. That is. I mean, <laughs> I love movies. I love TV. I love the TV shows. I love the animated stuff. Um, but for reading material, this is it for me. This yeah. is, there hasn't been anything that's knocked it off its pedestal for me yet. So um, yeah. I'd yeah. like to see them try. <laughs> Keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah, it is, it is cool. And it, again, the, the artwork is so um, singular. Uh, it, it's, it's not, it, you won't get it confused for anything. Um, I was thinking of, you know, with the, the artwork in, in this book, uh, compared to, you know, we did Nightfall pretty recently. And that is a book that is collecting, uh, or that's going back and forth between Batman and uh, Detective Comics. And there's different teams on each. However, I had to really look at who is the artist uh, to know that it was a different artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not paying close attention, there's, you know, you can pick up on things. But if you're, if you're really looking, but... In that story, there's like a house style where you can't stray too far from how Batman looks, you know? Um, and in this, it's its own thing. It it looks I said I said before it's not, it looks it looks so singular um that you can't mistake it for anybody else other than Tim Sale. Um and when in some of the interviews and stuff that I was reading, he did mention how uh DC would uh, kind of talk to him about how Batman looks and how Bruce looks and how, like, it, 
they can't take him like too too far away from you know his you know brand i guess <laughs> but um still i i think it's it's a um a, a unique look uh and design on on batman you know yeah for real like tim sale has one of without a doubt one of the most distinct like art styles mm-hmm. in comics that i don't think i've i've really I mean, I've seen some really different ones, you know. I know Darwin Cook has a very different yeah. style, and uh, Jay Lee has a different style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Nguyen has a different style. I mean, you got a lot of artists out in there in the world that can do some beautiful Batman artwork, but mm-hmm. man, Tim Sale stands out because it's a mix of like this old inspiration for how raw artwork was yeah. in the early days of like comic books. Yeah. Versus like what you can do nowadays, which if you're Alex Ross, you're basically making your shit look as real as possible. Yeah. But Tim Sale, you know, it, it's very, it's polished while at the same time it looks yeah. very rough. Yeah. And at the same time, I think that's a very unique combination that makes it, you know, stand out in the most fun way. Yeah. Um, and he, like I said, I remember like reading his forward in Dark Victory, which you know we'll get to someday, but... You know, he talks about how, like, yeah, I mean, you know, like my stepson doesn't like my art, <laughs> doesn't think I draw a good, like, you know, Batman or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, I, I think if I were to show anybody this stuff, maybe they would be like, it's not bad. But deep down, they're probably like, eh, it doesn't seem that great. But you you just got to kind of, like, see everything else that he does and how it all blends. Yeah. You know, you can see his Batman, but have you seen his Two-Face? I think his Two-Face is the best-looking Two-Face mm. um, artwork yeah. ever. Yeah, and I'm maybe I'm being biased because I love the story and I love Tim Sale and I've I'm you know I've loved his artwork, but yeah, that design of Two Face is probably without a doubt the most, you know, gosh, how should I say? It? I don't want to say realistic, but like mm-hmm. it's rough. It's a rough looking. He looks yeah. he looks he looks hideous on that side. It's uh, it, it looks like you know Dark Knight took a lot of inspiration from again from this design. On how they got Aaron Eckhart to, you know, design his Two Face. Um, it's pink, you know. Usually Two Face was like green, I think, <laughs> you know. And in uh, Batman Forever, it's like a, a really like a like a passion fruit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, in in Long Halloween here, it looks like it's melted skin. You know, it's it's burned. It looks melted skin. Burnt. Yeah. It looks fried. It yeah. looks uh, you know, it it looks like uh somebody slapped hamburger on his face and it just yeah. stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and let's grab grab a chunk of his face. Yeah. Throw it on the uh, uh, throw on the grill and just and assert yourself. Uh, <laughs> and assert yourself. <laughs> it, it's hideous, but it also doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a clean yeah, cut down the face either cuz that's one mm-hmm. thing that always trips me out about some of the artwork like just split straight yeah. even line yeah. and it's like eh, no nah, it's a little bit rougher than that in my opinion yeah um and then like you look at something as over the top as like the joker who's got like a million long ass teeth and you yeah. can't he's smiling to the smiling as hard as he can yeah you've got uh the scarecrow design the cat woman you know suit looks just so like stuck to her skin yeah and she's just muscular and you know well uh defined mm-hmm so he's got such a unique touch on that. And then on top of everything else, you got Jeff Loeb, who knows how to write Batman. He knows how to write the the inner monologue of what's going on in his head, what he's thinking about, 
what his thoughts are in terms of like the case that's at hand, the mystery, mm-hmm. the his thoughts, yeah, the theories, uh, the insecurities of what he's doing, whether or not he's living up to his parents' promise, yeah, and um, he just he knows how to write a really good mystery, man. I mean, like, yeah, he's able to get plot and uh, character beats in there too, you know. So it it really is just one of the most well rounded you know, stories that you'll ever read, whether it's Batman or not. I mean, it's a great story Mm -hmm. and it's fantastical. It's out there and it's fun. So kudos to Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale for, for having made, you know, the long Halloween. It stands the test of time, even to this day for me personally. Uh, Clearly, I think for yourself, uh, you really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh no, I hated it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But don't take our word for it, guys. Go out there. Find yourselves a copy of The Long Halloween, read it, enjoy it, you know, embrace the artwork. If you don't like it, (laughs) come on, whatever. (laughs) Nah, nah, for real though, if you don't like it, don't tell us about it. Um, (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself, man. Hold on to that secret, repress it if you must. (laughs) But uh, I think though you will find yourself enjoying The Long Halloween and I thank you our listener for having already stuck with us for two episodes in a row, just to talk about the graphic novel, this, this legendary story that has inspired so much of what you see on the big screen and what you've seen on the small screen too, all from these little pages. Now we got to think about the future because the longest Halloween ain't done yet. (laughs) All right. We're only halfway through. Yeah. We're only halfway through the month here. All right. We're all in that spoopy season. And David, guess what's next? Uh, tell me what's next. I'll tell you what's next. God damn it! Why don't you tell me? I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> right here, in this moment. You're about to find out. Here it comes. The next episode of the <laughs> Chemical Syndicate. We're continuing our theme of covering the Long Halloween. But Shane, how can you do that? You just did the book. Well, I'll tell finished. you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what we're doing next. That's got to be connected to the the book and and, and things. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple years back, they decided DC that is and Warner Brothers, whoever the fuck, decided to make an animated adaptation of Batman: The Long Halloween. They split it into two movies, and well, guess what? The next couple episodes, you betcha, we're gonna be talking about them. So next up in the following episode of the longest halloween we're going to be reviewing batman the long halloween the animated movie part one Mm? yeah that's right so tune in the next episode because we're going to see we're going to see exactly how that movie adapted this amazing source material and whether they were able to tastefully make any changes that they felt were more modern and necessary or if they fucked it all (laughs) up Well, tune on in and find out what we thought about it and what all went down. David, where can the people find us on our social medias? They can find us by looking up Chem Syndicate. That's a C H and an E M S Y N D I, a C, an A, a T, and an E. <laughs> Put it all together. What do you get? Uh, sex cauldron. <laughs> oh my God. I thought they shut that place down years ago. <laughs> That's right, folks. Follow us at Chem Syndicate. We're on um, some social medias. We got Facebook, Twitter, or now known as X. X. We're using brand X. X. And uh, Instagram. Uh, we're also on YouTube, although we're not incredibly useful on YouTube just yet. 
And we're working our way to everything else like TikTok or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in to um, part two of The Longest Halloween. We still got two more left of this month. Um, all Halloween long for y'all. We appreciate it. We appreciate everything. We appreciate the, the, the support. And I hope you're enjoying yourselves. Please tune in for the next episode of The Chemical Syndicate, guys. Keep on syndicating. Mm-hmm.